Join us for HIV Care Conversations, a podcast for healthcare professionals treating and managing care for people with or at risk of HIV in the United States. Our goal and our hope is that you come away from these episodes with more clarity and information to help address existing and emerging issues in HIV care and prevention delivery to improve the health outcomes of those impacted by HIV. HIV Care Conversations is produced by the National Coordinating Resource Center of the AIDS Education and Training Center, or AETC, program, and sponsored by the Health Resources and Services Administration, HIV AIDS Bureau's Ryan White HIV AIDS Program. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of HIV Care Conversations. Joining us today at the AIDS Education and Training Center National Coordinating Resource Center is Dr. Jill York for a conversation about trauma-informed dental care. Dr. York is a faculty and oral health clinical provider specializing in improving access to care for vulnerable populations. She is a professor in the Department of Community Health at Rutgers School of Dental Medicine, Assistant Dean for Extramural Clinics, and the Hunterdon Endowed Chair in Dental Public Health. She oversees the administration, operations, and clinical activities of community dental clinics specializing in care for people with HIV. Dr. York has been the principal investigator of over 70 healthcare grants focused on improving access to care and expanding workforce capacity for underserved populations, and has served as the co-principal investigator for more than 20 additional grants. She is a graduate of the University of Scranton and Georgetown University School of Dentistry. Dr. York, it is a pleasure to have you as our guest today. Thank you for inviting me to be part of HIV Conversations Oral Health Series. Well, we're excited to converse with you about trauma-informed care. Please tell us, um, what is your definition of of trauma-informed care? What introduced the concept to us, and why is this now a hot topic? The concept of trauma-informed care can be understood when you have a patient who is not taking their medications, or they're not brushing their teeth or they're canceling their dental appointments, or they seem to be agitated and distressed while they're in the dental chair. And it's at that time that you don't ask the patient what is wrong with you, but what happened to you. Mm -hmm. The concept of trauma-informed care is really when you as an individual and a person and the organization as a whole acknowledges that you need to have a complete picture of a patient's life situations past and present, in order to provide effective healthcare services. It is a really hot topic today. And why I say that is because it's pervasive. It's broad. It has effects that can impact an individual for their entire life. And when you look at the research, it has shown that a good majority of people needing mental health support have experienced trauma of some kind. And yet, There's this whole other segment of the population who are not seeking care that may have had a traumatic stressor. So that's interesting. So what is now the importance of the trauma-informed care dental approach for people with HIV? The approach is quite simply the same as it is for other fields. And what I mean by that, it has the potential to improve patient engagement. 
treatment adherence, and health outcomes. And in our organization, through trauma-informed care, we've also been able to improve the wellness of our providers and staff. So I would imagine that there are some common barriers and challenges um, for clinics um, providing dental care uh, to people with HIV. What are some of those and how does trauma-informed care help to address some of those challenges? That's a very good question because people with HIV experience and undergo a number of barriers. And that being access to care. They can't find somewhere to go to find their oral health care because of lack of dental insurance. They have limited financial resources. There may be a shortage of dentists who are trained or want to treat people with HIV. Then there's dental anxiety and the fear of dental care. There's logistical issues such as childcare, transportation. And then there's low motivation, lack of awareness of the importance of oral health, linguistical, as well as cultural issues. And now, in the past 10 years, this new perspective has brought onto the forefront, and that's telling us that 95%, up to 95% of people with HIV report having experienced at least one significant traumatic stressor in their lifetime. And up to 54% of people with HIV meet the criteria for post-traumatic stress disorder. So trauma-informed care is of so much importance right now because when you look at the patient from this holistic viewpoint, you will be addressing the issues of transportation. So when you ask them, why are you agitated? And they say, I don't have a means to get here. My child is sick. They're home with a aide or, or a neighbor, and we need to get home as quickly as possible. We're finding out that through trauma-informed care, we are able to better answer and address all of these other barriers that our population are experiencing. So, so that's, that's interesting. But so what has been the response from dentists? Um, are you, are we hearing that there's buy-in to, to adapt this, these new interventions or is, has there been pushback and how can this be addressed? I think that the audience really determines what type of response you're going to get. So within our community clinics, we already had buy-in. We already have all of our our staff, all of our providers are really willing to go that extra mile. So that's so important. But for others, we need to show them the impact that trauma-informed care is having upon the population. And how do we do that? We first must really get them on board. And the way in which we are going to get them on board is we must make them realize that trauma is widespread and how it can affect people and groups. We must also educate them so that they're better able to recognize the signs and symptoms. We have to also take it a step further and be able to respond by changing the policies and procedures within their practice, but more importantly, to change the way they practice. And then finally, to resist re-traumatization within our community clinics. I think education is key. And podcasts like this are really doing what we're trying to get across so that people are aware of the importance of trauma-informed care and what the outcome can be. So tell us a little bit about your program at Rutgers School of Dental Medicine. Where are you with integrating trauma-informed care training? Um, into the program? What has been the response from your students? 
So it was in 2017 that the New Jersey Department of Health partnered with Chicatelli Associates to launch what is known as the New Jersey HIV Trauma-Informed Care Project. And the overarching goal of this project, which was multi-year and statewide, and we were one of the agencies that were selected, was to integrate trauma-informed care into the culture as well as into the service delivery. And it was focusing in on HIV-positive patients. And then what happened at Rutgers is all of our staff received this training and all of our providers received this training. But every year we have a new group of students and every year you might get new employees. So what we have done is it is now part of our employee orientation where we utilize a YouTube video that was developed by the AIDS Education Training Center in Northern Florida. And with our students, we integrated it into our community-based orientation. All of our fourth-year students rotate through our community-based sites that are located in southern New Jersey. And in our student model, we give them a baseline and follow-up assessment. And we've included this component of trauma-informed care to see where we stand, where our education is, are they understanding it? And that was really vital. And in academic year 2022 to 2023, we're formalizing this process, and it's going to be part of their year three dentistry in the community course where they'll be tested on it. And we're also going to incorporate it into the postgraduate year two core curriculum where they too will also be tested on it. And we at Rutgers believe that engaging dental students in the pre-doctoral and postdoctoral years allows for fostering the development of trauma-informed lens for which that they can solidify during, during their clinical experience. The, the only way we're going to increase the workforce using trauma-informed care is to start with education of our students. That's fantastic. I, we, we, we do have some questions about what your think, thoughts are about um, increasing the HIV workforce. Um, but I want to, for now, I want to just pedal back a little bit and just ask you about your, your experience. And so what led you to this work and how did you develop your skills? So what really led us to this work, again, we said, was the New Jersey Trauma-Informed Care Project. And um, that project was initiated in 2017. We had training. We had leadership meetings. We did a agency profile, organizational assessment, physical environment assessment. In order to incorporate trauma-informed care into your culture, and into your service delivery, it really starts with a planning process. And this timeline took approximately one year. So in 2018, it was fully implemented within our program. And we began to assess the outcomes, the health outcomes that this was having on our program. Some of the challenges that we faced in the entire implementation process was there was no real universal initiative for trauma-informed care for dental providers. When we began the process, they said that we would do a post-traumatic stress disorder assessment on our clients. And when we began doing that, the clients had a lot of pushback and said, you're not our psychologist. They didn't really want to talk about it. And we too were fearful. If they began to give us too much information, we wouldn't know what to do. So we changed our approach and it's a, somewhat of a non-conventional approach where we put a lot of information and materials within our clinics, in our waiting room, our signage, things have changed. It's a very time-consuming and logistical um, 
challenging, logistically challenging. And what I mean by that, it needs commitment at all levels. It is something that's driven from the bottom up. We at the top of the organization really can believe in it, but we need everyone to. And it needs continual service transformation and the resources to support this type of program. And finally, as I said, we need to measure our outcomes. And that challenge lies in cultural change and the sustainability of change and determine whether the change is an outcome attributed to trauma-informed environment or trauma-specific interventions. And at Rutgers, we're trying to hone in on those and and really understand that so that we can develop a, a best practice. All of what is being said today is was developed in a logic model. And we put it forth like that. And all of this information is on the HIV Target website under best practices compilation. That's great. We're going to link to that um, from this podcast so our uh, listeners can find it there. Um, Another buzz term or uh, one that we are hearing more about is contemporary leadership. Um, What is contemporary leadership and how does it play into providing trauma-informed care? Contemporary is a term that means modern or new. And in the past 10 years, trauma-informed care was modern and it was new. You know, we never heard that term before. Mm -hmm. And so the way we viewed it was that it took a new error approach. And we had to focus in uh, on dynamics of our interactions, A, with the staff, but also our interactions with students and how we're going to get them to buy into trauma-informed care. And then our staff and our interactions with our patients. So this is all about interactions. And a term that I use often when I describe the leadership style that I embraced and we embraced at Rutgers was agile. And what we meant by that, you must understand the strengths of your team members, your students, and your patients and know how to facilitate the work to play on those strengths. When you look at an agile leader, there's someone who's communicative, empowering, accountable, inclusive, and collaborative. When you look at the principles of trauma-informed care, they're pretty parallel. Mm-hmm. So this this is really the approach that we took. And we had three different pillars that we focused on when we launched our program. And that was administration, looking at the policies and the procedures. Mm -hmm. And then we looked at resources, human resources, resources for our staff to get the job done, resources for our clients or our patients once they identified that they had trauma. And then our final was our clinical practice. We wanted to make sure that it was the way we interacted with people every day. And it's not something that we undertook just for a brief period of time or because it was new. This is something that we're embracing as we go about our work in the care and prevention of people with HIV. So so what steps can um, clinics, dental clinics who are providing care to people with HIV, what can they do right now to implement trauma-informed care approaches? Right now, And the simplest Mm -hmm. thing that you can do is be someone that cares. Show kindness and concern for others. And the reason why I, I answer with that simple question, that simple approach to a question that seems very complex is because 
Every year, our fourth year students have an orientation and we bring in a consumer, someone who has tested positive for HIV. And they're part of the process. So our students can better understand who the individual is. And at the end this year, I said to the gentleman, when you came here 15 years ago, you you really didn't have a dental home and you're still here and you probably can go anywhere now. Mm-hmm. And you still choose to come here. Why do you still come to Rutgers? And his his answer was, because you care. Mm. So what does that look like in a dental practice? Right. It really means welcoming the patient and ensuring they feel respected and supported, keeping consistent schedules and procedures, offering sufficient notice and preparation when changes are going to happen, Maintain communication that is consistent, open, respectful, and compassionate. You want to develop a trustworthy relationship with your clients. And then you want to use welcoming signage, gender-neutral signage. Make people feel at ease while they're in the dental practice, knowing that many of them fear coming in. Right. Particularly people with HIV. Um, exactly. For several reasons. Um, so a little earlier, you had nodded to the importance of the education piece um, um, and in increasing the HIV care workforce. Um, you know, since this is a podcast for HIV care professionals, um, we're, as an educator, what do you, what do you suggest? What do you think we can do? How can we get more physicians and dentists into the HIV care workforce. We know um, with the federal initiative ending the HIV epidemic, the goal is to reduce new infections by 90% by 2030, but we also recognize that there is a, a shortage. Um, so what, what do you think? Um, how can we increase the HIV care workforce? Well, first and foremost, the need for a well-trained quality health workforce really should reflect the diversity of the communities in which health professionals practice. And that's really, really important. And HRSA does a very good job, uh, exemplary work to support the growth of the health workforce. And that's through training and development. And the program that I'm going to speak of is the Community-Based Dental Partnership Program which funds 12 academic institutions throughout the United States to improve access to care for people with HIV who are really at low income or in areas that don't have access to care. But simultaneously, they're training and providing education to this next group of dentists. And so that's really one of the grand initiatives that they have. In addition to that, they also provide funding for postdoctoral and residency programs. Mm -hmm. And these residency programs are housed within academic institutions, hospitals, federally qualified health centers. And with their expansion of that, we're finding out that they're going to rural areas, areas where people do not have access to oral health care services. So that's another means by which we're training a workforce that are, are, are actually providing care to people with HIV. And the final thing that I, I, I think is really the, the thing that will allow us to retain them 
and to recruit them is the loan repayment program that many people are not aware of exists. And that's a really good means by which students can get back, pay back their loans by servicing people with HIV. So I, I think that these three type of initiatives are playing on each other to train the next generation of mm-hmm. dentists. Mm-hmm. In in our program at Rutgers, one of the big thing is to follow up on what good is our training doing? Because we know the research says that through these training programs, they improve the workforce, but is it actually working? Right. So at Rutgers, we are one of 12 community-based dental partnership programs that's been funded since 2002. And in our program, we actually have students spend the entire academic year in our community sites. And then another cohort and all other students are going to spend a minimum of two weeks. Of the 185 students since 2002 that rotated through our community sites, just under 65% of them are in HIPSA sites. So there are health professional shortage areas based upon the zip code and the income of the people. Mm -hmm. So they're either fully underserved or partially underserved. And that's really good when you hear that. We have a number of students in academics. We have a number of students that have gone into specialties. And the two specialties that they really focus in on are pediatrics and um, and orthodontics. So it shows that they're servicing our younger population. And that's really one of the focuses of the federal government is to, to target that, those populations. That's fantastic. Um, and so... Where do you see your dental program going? Like, some, what, what are some of the lessons that you've learned and where do you see your dental program going in? Not just for people with HIV, but for all of the clients. So our program is really moving toward this inclusiveness and this holistic view to patient care. So in our, our clinics, the trauma-informed care approach was welcomed. Um, by both our patients and our providers. And it was really regardless of whether you are a trauma survivor, you had a negative childhood experience or dealing with high stress environment. And we're moving toward this complementary approach to care, which means that we're going to, you know, it's sort of described as interdisciplinary approach to care, where other disciplines are going to really have an important piece within our practice. So we're looking to partner with Rutgers School of Dental Med, Rutgers School of Nursing in Camden, and they are going to provide, come into our clinic and provide prostate cancer screenings, colorectal screenings, screenings for mammography. And we're also going to initiate blood pressure screenings, A1C screenings, as well as cholesterol screenings for our clients as they come into care. And we're going to be developing a wellness platform so that they truly understand the importance of maintaining these type of preventive visits. What's going to be really exciting is that the nurses are going to follow up with the patients and make sure that they've gotten their screening. So it's not just going to be an educational section. It's almost going to be like a bi-directional referral where we're going to make the referral, they're going to make the referral and then follow up to see if the, the referral has been kept. Thank you, Dr. York, uh, for an engaging HIV care conversation. You know, while our objective is is to provide information and resources for healthcare professionals caring for people with HIV, this information is equally important, as we just discussed, um, for um, for for 
for all for all people, not just those with HIV. Um, you know, you just mentioned this complementary approach to care um, and and uh, and addressing people with you know cancers and diabetes and heart disease and and but we also do recognize that that people with HIV experience trauma for so many reasons. You know, stigma, discrimination, racism, evidence of high rates of intimate partner violence. So it's helpful to understand how the impact of trauma informed care. Um, for people with HIV can be significant and potentially life-changing, you know? So you have provided us with so much information, um, but also some simple steps and tips um, to start integrating trauma-informed care approaches right away. Um, You know, sometimes it's just the smallest shift that can change the whole trajectory. Um, and it would be interesting, actually, to, to know what the impact of this uh, this training has been on your students post-graduation, um, you know, and what their level of, of, of interest in HIV care would, would will be or is. Um, so maybe, you know, maybe you'll join us again for a follow-up discussion, you know, in another year or two when we hear back from your students. So, mm-hmm. so thank you again for joining us today on HIV Care Conversations. We appreciate it. Um, and thank you to our listeners for tuning in to HIV Care Conversations. Please visit our website at aidsetc.org for references um, about information discussed here today or for more resource, resources about trauma-informed dental care. And have a good day. Thank you to everyone. Thank you.